0: Rich thing I told you that I never would. told you I changed. Even when I, knew I never Rich just took a big
1: swig I of water. He's ready to you. fucking rock this
0: week. Is that Bieber I just pumping can't you up? We Rich? Have Bieber. Top 40 Bieber is a first on our podcast.
1: Well, Walt's choice this week, but I'm on a Bieber kick too. I, I wanted peaches. Um I don't know. I'm into it. What can I say? I know what I can say, Rick. Right? Welcome, everybody, to episode 76 of the Light Shed Podcast. You're Rich Greenfield. He's Walt Pisick, And I'm Brandon Ross. Recording this time on Thursday night, a little bit of kind of
0: forced experimentation. Um, It just means incredible news is going to happen tomorrow.
1: What do you think it's going to be?
0: I don't know. Someone will buy somebody or something. Something will happen inevitably because we do it a day early, I'm sure.
2: Well, just despite us. I mean, it's only only like
0: 16 hours early. Uh, It's not that uh, early, I guess, in the scheme of things. That's (laughs) right.
2: So what's what's going on uh, tonight since it's Thursday? Oh, it's the Eagles game tonight against
0: Tom. Why are you not in your jersey? You're a fan. You're a super fan. There's no Uh jersey.
2: Well, uh, I had to dispose of several Carson Wentz jerseys that I had in multiple <laughs> colors, so I'm right. back to Brian Dawkins, so we'll see if Jalen Hurts can deliver this season.
0: Dawkins so, okay, The numbers, Giants have nothing one, left to deliver. The Giants, the Giants are playing for a draft pick at this point. He
2: was, right? Yes, yeah, 20. Yeah, well, Rich, um, the Eagles also have draft picks from both Miami and the Colts, so we will once again, in a way, be competing for the Giants draft pick. Depending on how you want to know what's you want to know, it's pretty year.
1: amazing. The Giants, by virtue of the trade, um, forced by the Eagles taking uh, who, who was it? Joe Judge, Devonta, Friday, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, wound up with Kadarius Tony, who looks like a way better player yeah. than Devonta, anyway. Number one, wow. and they got uh, the Bears pick out of that, number two. Um, so maybe this is just working out for everyone, Walt.
2: All right. Uh Joe, can you please bookmark that? Way better player than Devonta. We're just gonna <laughs> do, excuse Devonta. I can't believe I fell into that trap. Devonte. So oh, we it's
1: will uh, Jesus.
2: it's a long A. I, All right, let's uh, go on to the first slide, Rich. Wait,
1: should I know that? Devante? Yes, you should know that.
2: Well, no, you should I, I watched those Alabama fan. games last year.
0: Yeah. Okay. Rich, first slide. First slide. So uh <laughs> We've got. Well, why did um, I get cut off? I thought you were trolling because me you were trying to go trolling. into
2: Devonta. It's Devonta. <laughs> but Joe, will I, I can't it. believe, we will, I can't we will believe re- we're still having a oh, conversation. Oh, Devonta no, 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 no. Freeman. In episode who was 76. Running back. This, we're going to come back to some stack comparison in years in the future when we get to episode 142. 142
1: and will, is only one. Well, oh, it's and more than one. It's like know, 252. Guys, this,
0: this is sort of absurd. Yeah, we're in a week where we, we wrote about all of the companies we cover, how they filibuster so that yeah. they can't get to the real meat We're of the filibustering. Stirring, and we're filibustering to Let's hear slide
2: Rich, you know what I'd like to hear? I'd like to hear what William Shatner thought about going into space. Do you have any audio for that?
0: I, I do, actually. I have video and audio, depending on how our guests are watching. Let's hear it.
2: was so unbelievable. Unbelievable.
1: I
0: mean, you know, the, the little things. But, wait, listen, listen. but to see the blue cover go whip by now you're staring into blackness.
2: That's the thing. The that's covering the thing. of blue, this, this sheet,
1: this blanket, this, com- this comforter of blue that we have around. We think, oh, that's blue
0: sky. And then suddenly you shoot through it all of a sudden. as so you whip off a sheet off you when you're asleep. And you're looking into blackness. There is mother and earth and comfort. And there is, is there death? I don't know. Is that death? Is that the way death is? Whoop, and it's gone.
1: Chase.
2: Well, Bezos very, was very and just wondering, why didn't I feel any of those feelings?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I will say this, though. This is very fortuitous timing for Lightshed Ventures, at least. As this morning, we announced our investment in Space Perspective, which is actually the largest investment that we have done to date. And the things that Shatner describes there are all the advantages that you get from space perspective, only it's a much longer, safer, and carbon-free experience, which is getting to it, it's, blackness, seeing well, it's the curvature sp- of the earth.
2: And what you're talking about, Brandon, is specifically called the overview effect, which you can Google, and it's been studied by astronauts that have gone into space, and they just have this kind of overwhelming new perspective and feeling. Um, from seeing the earth from that altitude.
1: Well, those who go go up to space in a space perspective capsule will get to do that for up to six hours as opposed to six minutes.
0: But it it is interesting how, you know, I think so many people sort of think of this experience as weightlessness. And I just thought sort of Shatner's comment of like, the little thing is weightlessness, but the real thing is sort of just the, the experience of just seeing earth from above uh, in a very sort the of overview you know, human well. yes. Yeah. look, it's just sort of amazing. Um, look, I can't wait to experience it. I hope I get to do it. But, um, you know, I think that there is something, it's interest overall, I'd say what's interesting about 2021 is how space has been transformed. Like I think about when I was in grade school um, and just how special and exciting space was. And I feel like we're, the amount of coverage space has gotten in the last six months relative to the last probably 20 plus years of our yeah. lives is just dramatic. Like, just well, What's, change, cha- what's
1: changed really, Rich, is, you know, and what all of these companies and projects are changing is the accessibility. Right. Yeah. And I think that the Blue Origin, Virgin Galactic, you know, with extremely high price tags make, and, you know, probably a little bit, you know, tougher on the body and requiring a lot of training, make it accessible to a certain amount of people, but space perspective makes it accessible to
2: a lot more people. I'll add a third layer to that, Brandon, which I think is, um, the impact that COVID has had. I mean, the fact that you can't get people back to work, they've kind of reassessed what's important. Even this, the kind of this YOLO movement, um, with stocks, it's it's you know it's it's kind of this COVID has kind of had people reassess their lives and um, be more interested in some of these experiences. So yeah. I mean, look, you, you you've seen it in the demand for um, some of these concerts that that ha- exist out there. People just wanting to go back out and get, and it's not just necessarily mushing up against another human. It's it's getting back to those experiences.
1: Yeah, I mean, the experience economy had really taken off anyway. Um, in, you know, that sort of, uh, post financial crisis, 2010, um, right up until COVID, you could look at the, the growth of the live events, business, travel and tourism, sort of the, and I, I think social media really put a fire on this, but the valuing of experiences over tangible goods and, um, and you know we're we're back to that and and the space tourism thing is kind of the pinnacle of it
0: let's move on to an entirely different subject which is something that in <laughs> in my 27 years much
1: more mundane
0: well but, <laughs> but also a just lot more off fun the rails <laughs> no this is like off the goddamn rails i mean i've never seen anything like this like so this is an athletic tweet so i'll just read it but major league baseball commissioner rob manfred all but took pot shots at Sinclair's claim that it could offer a streaming service next year. Uh, You know, Sinclair has gotten up onto a lot of conference calls and talked about how they're launching a streaming service, going direct to consumer. They circulated a whole deck um, in their debt filings, talking about how it's going to be $25 a month and it was going to include local streaming rights. And to to hear the commissioner of, of baseball come out and say, they simply do not have the rights to stream the content in their local markets, nor do they have the rights to offer a sports betting product that they've talked about offering in their local markets and to hear sort of the just complete shooting down of everything Sinclair and doing it. This is not just, not just
1: that they don't have it, but that there is skepticism um, about, you know, diamond sports as an entity, which is leading to that kind of non-compliance, and Manfred actually calling out um, Diamond Sports's leverage, and probably the fact that they don't want to put these rights in in um, the hands of creditors, essentially.
0: Well, and it wasn't to, to be fair; it was yeah. not just Manfred. An hour before, Adam Silver basically said the local sports industry has been un, sort of basically tainted by one company and highlights Sinclair as the problem. Basically saying there's plenty of, there's certainly are RSNs that are doing pretty well. Yes, Network, we know, you know, like there's plenty of RSNs that are, I wouldn't say they're flourishing, but they're certainly generating earnings and there's, you know, growing. Like the problem child, it's your point, Brandon, is is Sinclair and it's not just Rob and Major League Baseball, it's the NBA and the NHL was sort of a softer um yeah. you know it was a softer conversation overall unfortunately yeah, Ga- it was a reporter Gary,
1: Gary's Gary well, just, Gary's interview was a little more nostalgic i would say than yeah, than and it was also hitting. done by
0: it also was done by a CNBC reporter rather than a sports media reporter and i no, think the fox fox, fox, um, right, fox, fox fox business right sorry fox business yeah, so it's it just, it just a different style of interview, which is a different style of interview to be honest. And I think that's why you didn't get into the 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 kind of the weeds that the other two conversations the day before got into. But did
1: find out that Batman was an Islanders fan before he became commissioner.
0: Yeah, I didn't was, know that either. That's
1: pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't either. Someone also a reached converted out to me. Rangers fan.
2: Sorry, I, I don't know if if this is Technically on Sinclair Sinclair's balance sheet or not, but apparently they they still value the spectrum that they elected not to auction in the incentive auction at one point seven billion dollars.
0: And wait, wait, hold on, hold on, let me just slow down. So back when like Ion and all Univision correct. when everyone was selling their spectrum, they chose not to.
2: I don't know. I can't remember whether they didn't auction or they participated and then just kind of bailed out early because they didn't get a high enough price. Because you remember it was a two way yep. reverse auction. So I don't I know remember. exactly but they're valuing it in this theory that you can, I mean, so the challenge is that the need for spectrum is deep. These are these are regional things. I'm not even sure the FCC, given particularly how they've had some challenges with the FCC and, and how they've dealt with them and the information that they've given them, um, under a democratic administration would say you could use that spectrum for anything but its intended use or conduct an auction that would allow Sinclair to monetize it. So it seems like to me, especially given all the auctions that we've seen recently, it might be a bit of a stretch for them to try and um, claim that it's a billion seven. Not to mention, like I'm not sure how you would actually monetize it that way.
0: You're saying because unless there's an auction for this, it you sort can. of is just useless spectrum for the moment.
2: There can be ways. I think you get waivers. I mean, you know, there's there's always individual applications that can occur. Um, I don't know how the licensing works. If there's channels next to you, then you have to create guard bands. So if it's six megahertz in depth and you don't want to, um, interfere with the channel next to you, you have to create guard band. If that guy next to you complains and says, then you're tied up for multiple years, let alone if the, if the government actually lets you change the usage for it. The
1: the same thing is we, you and I Walt have discussed Sirius's spectrum position and their ability to to monetize it. And
2: Sirius actually has a a much easier time monetizing because they could basically move all the users from one half to the other and there's thing, they're, they're, they're the stuff that's next to them, which is Verizon. No, I'm sorry, AT&T. AT&T. Yeah. Sorry, the thing that's next to them is AT&T. So they could cut a deal with AT&T who could get some more um, spectrum. In this case, I don't know who your neighbor is. It might vary by market. And again, you probably don't have an FCC that's um, a big fan of Sinclair, I guess I would say. Even under the wow. last administration, um, they, had to, they had to put the ixnay on one of their deals, right?
0: I mean, a, republican, a Republican-led a republican commission put the ixnay on, on Sinclair, a Democratic regime currently led by Jessica. I don't know who ultimately, Jessica Rosenworcel, I don't know who ultimately will be head of the FCC as we continue to wait, Walter, but it, it's hard to believe any Democratic commissioner, especially an even more progressive one than we have now, would allow Sinclair to do almost anything.
2: Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm. I, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know, well, look, you Sinclair was a seventy dollars stock. Seven, I think. I think go for it.
0: Look, it was a seventy dollars stock when they bought the RSNs, and today it is a twenty-seven dollars stock. So, um, it's not working out well. Whatever they're doing. <laughs> um, let's stick on the topic of sports. Uh, we've got a little video to play because um, at the same World Ooh. Congress of Sports, um, Jimmy Pataro. It's really ESPN, audio. It's an audio. Well, right. He, he he was interviewed at the World Congress of Sports. Um, But then shortly thereafter, um, John Orand and Andrew Marchand, um, two of our favorite sports media reporters who now do a podcast, I'll give a little plug for their podcast, which is great. Uh, They're sort of doing a business of sports podcast, and they had Pitaro on for a deeper dive into some of the issues they talked about at the conference. Let me play about a minute of the audio.
2: I want to be clear, the traditional television business has been a business that has been incredibly good to ESPN and the Walt Disney Company, and as I sit here today, remains incredibly good. It it generates a ton of cash flow, and that cash flow enables us to make the investments that we need to make, not just in terms of rights acquisitions. Um, That's the obvious one, but in terms of how we produce and, 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 and cover games, in terms of our You know, ability to sign and re-up with talent to to bring new talent on board. Um, You know, without the traditional side of our business, I don't believe we'd be where we are today. Okay,
1: now, well, there there you go. I mean, he's basically laying out a classic HBS case study, right? Of using the cash flow from the dying business to fund the you know the successor business. The question is. When does it need to happen faster? What are your thoughts,
0: Rich? Well, I was going to say that you could also call it a classic catch-22. Right. Sort of Wall Street wants streaming, streaming, streaming. I think there's plenty of investors that we talk to that are big Disney fans that just go, just take this thing over the top already. Like, it's going to happen. As soon as the pandemic is over, they're going over the top with ESPN. I've heard that 50 times. Um, but then you listen to Jimmy and, you know, my my sort of reaction to that interview is that it's not in the next 12 or 18 months. It might not be no, in the next a, two a, to three
1: years. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem like it's something that's imminent at this point, despite the fact that it is. Oh, no, it isn't for Sinclair.
0: <laughs> um, you know, they're in a really tough spot. This sort of goes back to why we continue to say. Disney, which has done a great job going fully over the top with, with, um, Disney plus, and even with Hulu, even though they still don't own all of it, but like they've done a great job and that's been a much easier business to convert sports because of the problem that he described as you need the cash flow to fund the new, like those challenges to us, it just speaks to why Disney should be spinning off ESPN. But then, you know, he was also asked about sort of willingness to spin off ESPN and, you know, his comment was pretty clear. He goes, Bob Chapek and the Walt Disney management team was fully behind this company being part of Disney. Now, obviously it's not his decision, it's the board and, and Chapek's, um, but it was a pretty staunch rebuke of something happening in terms of a spinoff of, of ESPN and ABC. And remember, I think on this podcast a few weeks ago, we talked about Jim Miller, who's the ESPN sort of biographer, historian. And you know he was on the Ringer podcast and he said, just what we've been hearing is that there's more of a drumbeat to spin off ESPN. So I don't know whether this is squashing those rumors or whether this is sort of just trying to push it off into the future, but it, it, it does seem clear that at least ESPN believes maybe they have Jimmy, long-term corporate buy-in.
1: Maybe it's just wishful thinking. And maybe Jimmy wants to feel like he's going to be part of Disney going forward and doesn't want to be out on his own in a business that is going to, be a standalone public company with extreme challenges.
0: Auction update, Walt. Could we get one?
2: <laughs> hey, Walt. Short. So the tweet that we have here is um, from Light Reading. <laughs> They're specifically basically talking about this theory that's emerged earlier in the week, late last week. Is Verizon trying to kill the auction? Bidding in the auction of midband spectrum dropped unexpectedly. unexpectedly during round 10, which was Friday. Some believe it might be a major bidder attempting to spark a mass exit. And you had um, Jonathan Chaplin, among others, um, claiming that this they thought that this meant the Verizon was dropping out. There's no way of knowing. And frankly, it could be any number of things and there's nothing about these changes. And there was another um, tweet that just kind of hit today where um, Doug Mitchelson, apparently now an auction expert as well, was saying that this is much slower than he thought when and can I just chime f-
0: in? Can I just chime in? He's an expert in nothing. Like just, to no, 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 but no, go on. Mean. I'm sorry. You
2: can't say that. Sorry. Don't be an mean. Auction. He's an don't, that's that's he's an auction expert. Or Rich, so. Are you so, kind? So, no, that's me. <laughs> he's an expert in a lot of things. I'm sure. Anyway, so he he was saying that he can't believe that it's like maybe that maybe the press misquoted him or paraphrased him that this thing is so far away. If this auction had grown at the same rate. As the C band auction, which is ten percent around, it would be at four billion dollars in this round twenty-one. It's at it was at three six. So four billion is clearly well below, or three six is well below fifteen billion, which is the minimum price it needs to hit. But so is four billion. So I, again, I think people are just rushing to try and grab conclusions here. There's been some little activity here that is showing some activity dropped off, but it's just too early. When will we know? Like Again, in this article, Mitchelson or others, I think it was Mitchelson, maybe um, Chaplin as well, were saying, oh, they would, they would know this week. Again, if this thing grew at 10%, which is the highest rate it could have gone, you wouldn't have known if it hit the minimum this week. You wouldn't have. You, we were going to have to wait till next week to get to enough rounds under our belt at 10% per round, which is kind of how these auctions move, to know if it's going to hit um, if it's going to hit this minimum 15 bit. And then by the way, from there to get to my 30 billion, it probably happens the same day because it's just the increments. It's like, it, it's called compounding. <laughs> That's how compounding works. So you'll know, Hey, we just crossed um, the minimum. So it's a real auction. It, it won't be, can-. and then it's going to hit. Th- so let me just one quick thing, Rich. I know this is getting to get along. No, no. no. What, why what is not the me th- also? Or Brandon, what is the theory? Why would Verizon want this auction to fail? Which is what, which was the allegation that Chaplin and others are. Why? Like I don't understand. If you if it fails and it goes three years from now, the FCC could decide to share it. Cable well, can have on. more if money. If it
0: fails, if it fails, then nobody like if it doesn't get to the minimum price, then the whole thing doesn't happen.
2: Sure. So Verizon. So the argument theoretically might be: Well, Verizon has enough spectrum, and they're going to hurt AT T. But okay. But doesn't if everybody free, not have enough spectrum? You, really? You just, You just spent a dollar for spectrum. You're not you're going to turn away at fifty cents when you can use it sooner than the stuff you just paid twice as much for. But more importantly, if you're saying, "Oh, I'll come back in three years," it might be shared. Cable might want to buy it. Dish might be better financed to buy more of it. Like I don't, I just don't even understand the concept or the logic of why Verizon would want this to fail. So please reach out to me and explain that to me because I'm I'm clearly missing something. I'm not the auction expert like Doug. All right, next slide.
0: Um, That was amazing. Um, So the next slide is sort of an update on a topic we've been sort of picking around. Brian Steinberg, tweets, NBCU recruits big advertisers, I'm going to ad lib in Ford, uh, advertisers like Ford and L'Oreal, so major, major TV advertisers, uh, media buyers such as IPG and WPP to vet new audience measures. And so um, we've talked about before that NBC, along with some of the other major media companies, is sort of intent on moving beyond Nielsen, that Nielsen just simply doesn't work, their data cross-platform is terrible, and that they need new solutions for both measurement and for the currency of which $65-plus plus billion of advertising is transacted. The, the reason today is interesting, or the news today was interesting, is it's because they're building a larger and larger group. Like It's hard to do this alone. But when you have more and more parts of the ecosystem in terms of agencies, the actual brands themselves um when everybody is sort of getting aligned that's where it sort of feels like the smoke is you know you can start to feel the fire underneath the smoke and like that something's actually could happen i think there's a lot more news to come we haven't heard you know we've seen viacom sign on with video amp as a currency we haven't seen nbc say who they're actually going to use they sort of did an rfp They teased it. yeah right there's an rfp we certainly think something before year end It just feels like 2022 is going to be a very, very challenging year for Nielsen as sort of competition comes at it from multiple angles. I think this is like one of the big stories in sort of the traditional media world that probably isn't getting enough attention looking out over the next 12 months. So just we'll see what happens. But it just feels like every week we're getting another sort of tidbit that gives me gives us reasons to be concerned. Um, Oh, sorry. That was the same. Brandon, why don't you read um, this tweet from Bang Gaming?
1: This is a <laughs> long one. Netflix wants to make Squid Game video game.
2: The end. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, when you said this is a long one, I'm like, oh, God, I hope you're not going to read what's in that picture. Please don't. <laughs> For now, we're only going to give you short tweets. Um, You're you're reading. Yeah, what's what's interesting.
1: (laughs) What's interesting about that, though, is there's already tons of Netflix, if not Netflix, of Squid Game games um, out there. Um, You notice one on the screen? screen?
0: Wait, do you notice one on the screen? Oh,
1: Rich is. Yes. Rich is using um, a Roblox Squid Game experience as his background. Um, today. But it it's just funny. Like, you know, Netflix is clearly making this an ambition. There's several reasons for it. One of the reasons, though, is to promote deeper engagement with their linear content, but there's a whole group of developers who's who are just doing it for them and can move a lot faster using Roblox's development tools than they can in you know, hiring a studio or getting somebody to do a professional development. Um, So pretty interesting. The difference between, you know, letting the community do the work for you um, and actually doing it yourself. And I I think a lot of what happens on Roblox and this sort of translation of, you know, media content onto the roblox platform is going to continue to happen um on ugc the tools will just get better and some of the artwork and official items that you know a netflix wants um creators to use on the platform will be put there at their disposal and just forget the money let them do it for you And obviously there will be much deeper games and experiences that will happen on Netflix itself.
0: Yeah, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think what's fascinating is is it shows you that when you have really iconic IP, sure, you sell t-shirts and you sell merch and Halloween costumes, but you also build games. And it's something that, you know, the media world historically has, generally they've licensed all of this content. Like we're gonna make a, you know, Disney licenses Star Wars to Zingo, right? Like the, the typical there, media yeah, studio is just yeah. And there's it long
1: out. development times, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, there wasn't the ability to make UGC games and 3D interactive experiences And now Roblox is continuously improving those tools. And obviously we're going to see, you know, Epic have, you know, launch Fortnite creative in a much bigger way next year.
0: But what's amazing here that I think we should just call out is it's, it's only been four weeks since squid game came out. Yeah. How
1: quickly things are moving.
0: Well, no. And like, who would have thought that like five of the top 30 games on Roblox would be around Squid Game, and they all were created in the last four weeks. Like, there was, there's no development time. Like, I think it's just sort of the speed at which you can develop games is just staggering.
2: That's I, you know, for again, Roblox. But here's, Rich, what else that they should be thinking about developing with this content, theme parks. So when, if ever, will Netflix have enough library of content to, that they can create theme parks or partner with? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, you know, I want a
2: Netflix you've... theme park.
0: <laughs> well, look, the two big examples of people partnering, I guess three big examples, right? There's three, there's three, two, two really big properties that have partnered, right? So the one that you know of, obviously, is Harry Potter, which yes. created a world at Universal. The one that is opening up as we speak, you know, in parts of the world and will keep expanding is Nintendo World, which is also part of Universal. Um, Disney's done. I mean, I, I, I'm going to use the Disney example, although it sucks because now they own the property. But at least originally, they did an Avatar World when Fox owned it, and then they bought Fox. And so they right. sc- sort of screwed up this as an example. But that would be the third example of sort of, you know, partnering rather than actually building your own theme park. My guess is just like there's, you know, we don't have the slide in here today, but like Netflix partnered this week with Walmart to sell, basically to create a Netflix store inside of Walmart to sell merch. I don't think it's crazy to believe. I doubt it'll be Disney, given how much these two companies clearly hate each other.
2: Parks and you go to no no no. no, no. I mean Walmart. No no no. no. (laughs) (laughs) Walt's talking about doing something. I don't want to walk into a Walmart that requires
1: a a lot of capex and expertise that is far outside of. um, I think they will license it. So So
2: Netflix doesn't like to spend a lot of money on stuff.
1: I think that Netflix is very fastidious about sticking to their core competencies. Okay. Um, and n- sort of natural extensions um of Leaving their own. The the well, maybe
2: perhaps. Can they walk and chew gum at the same time?
0: I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, there's also things, I mean you think about DC Comics has done things with six flags for years. Yeah. So there's also if you, if you get away from destination parks are there things that you can do on a more local level or regional level around the world there are lots of other theme parks beyond Sure how about the just a pop-up franchise? stranger
2: things exhibit something you know you know they do these like what is it the Van Gogh thing in New York
0: though no, they some, they
1: have had that for stranger things Nice yeah, the last was it any good? I mean, I'm, not sure, saying, I I'm not I don't sure. I am not sure to that shit. I'm
0: just saying, I'm not sure a Squid Game makes for a great experience. Like everybody dies. What are you I'm not about? Sure that people dog, love that. You get Rich, a pink
1: gun. Rich, this is the second not, time oh, that stop, Rich has stop. given major plot points That's <laughs> true. away. Dude, of, there's of dead people games. behind me, and there's dead has, people behind me, and he has only watched one fucking episode.
2: I haven't watched any of it. I'm just not going to now because Rich is ruined. It's it's oh, actually stop.
1: I've Let's watched I've watched the first four.
2: It's good. Oh, really? It's good.
0: Okay. So speaking of, of um Asian content creation, Disney, which has you know gotten up to 115 million subs, they've got 40 plus million subscribers now in or 35 plus million subscribers in Asia. Uh, they announced today. That they have a major slate of eighteen originals from the Asia Pacific region. So,
2: but they clearly yeah. must be listening to the podcast, then, Rich, because we've been talking about this for the last three weeks that they need to start <laughs> developing broader content so that it's just not relying well, on the Marvel and Star Wars releases. The good so news is, well, welcome, there, Disney for There are ideas.
1: several Disney executives who listen to the podcast. Yes, and regularly. you're welcome.
2: And it's about time, Rich. What were you going to say?
0: Well, what I was going to say is, it's not just about having the content. I oh. you know. I think sort of what there's lots of content that disney has right now on its services in asia but you never see any of that content in the us like i i still think one of the real challenges is like you know when i open up disney plus number 1 is black widow number 2 is the simpsons number 3 is mickey mouse's clubhouse
1: there's no moana
0: like there's there's nothing that goes be even if this content exists elsewhere in the world they're doing a horrible job of marketing it like
1: beyond their franchise everything comes down to
0: their franchises like on you know Disney what,
1: plus the, the number three, three no general uh, entertainment
0: look Netflix puts a lot of puts a lot of emphasis on their own content and I was having this debate with someone earlier today they were like well everything Netflix promotes is their own stuff I said really I said the number three movie on Netflix today is the 1997 Titanic or 1995's Titanic. Like this whole idea that like the only thing on Netflix and that they promote, they promote content from all over the world and whether they own it or not, it's what's working. And I I think Disney's got to figure out how they not just create this content in Asia, but surface it and and make sure that people are actually trying and sampling. Because I think that's going to be the real, to to make this stuff, you know, because they they produce 18 things in, in Asia but Walt never sees them, then you're still stuck in these same, you know, few verticals in the U So S that'll be the real challenge of like, can they actually get good at recommending stuff that is outside of sort of the very sort of strict silos that we're used to Disney doing.
1: You know what I was impressed with, Rich, that you didn't give away that everyone dies at the end of Titanic.
0: (laughs) What do you mean? She lives. (laughs) 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 I (laughs) I mean, come on oh, you just him into the t- spoiler I, I, I gotta go so like good. this like, with the hanging so up good. the front of the boat Walt, i mean come on how good was that uh, it was amazing <laughs> it's amazing um, oh my god <laughs> so good <laughs> okay walter walter when you stop laughing you can tell us all about the world of mvnos <laughs> uh,
2: okay <laughs> <laughs> roger Etner um had a tweet uh, storm or stream, whatever you call them, something that they want to stick ads in. Um, on Thursday, just ten days from launch, a Delaware judge stopped Cox from launching its MVNO on Verizon. T-Mobile had sued Cox to enforce a deal Cox had with Sprint about re-entering the wireless market. So that's fine. Like you have, let's say you do an MVNO with Sprint years ago, and it doesn't work out. Whatever, you don't use it. And then basically, Sprint has a non-compete. If you ever, hey, Cox, if you ever do an MVNO in the future, um, you got to come to us first or you can't do it. So they did go to the parent company, T-Mobile. And T-Mobile, according to Roger Entner, offered them basically retail rates on the MVNO. So that wasn't what I think many people would consider negotiating in good faith. I think ultimately, a judge will make a decision on that. So then they went to Verizon. And 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 just, just
0: just so I understand. What's the spread between a retail rate and what a charter might pay a Verizon? Like, wh- what's the spread? Well, I think How we wide is Peter
2: Atterton on a special thing, but are we running the economics of a ten percent margin MVNO right now? It's not yeah. relevant. It's but it's obviously much lower than than what their what the above retail rates would be. Yeah. So they went to Verizon and got a much better rate, and you know we're gonna about to launch service. And T-Mobile stopped them from doing it, which is amazing because part of T-Mobile's getting approval for the transaction was saying, hey, we're gonna we're gonna help MVNOs, their number one MVNO, the, the which was Dish, which they sold these eight, 10 million boost customers to, left them because of being treated poorly. Another MVNO tries to pop up. They literally um, you know, stopped them from launching, basically doing exactly which is what Roger Etner's point was. What was so what's gonna happen here is this is gonna help dish frankly i think the fcc and doj is gonna step in on the shutoff that that that's going in between those two companies um, but it's just more evidence of this kind of the way the new t-mobile after sprint that the sprint deal closed um, how they're treating counterparties and you know the net result is they're losing wholesale revenue and the net net result of that is Will T-Mobile grow faster than AT and T in 2022 if they're losing all this wholesale revenue?
0: But is it obvious why T-Mobile wouldn't have just said, "Okay, we'll match whatever deal Verizon was giving you to keep you and keep you within your contract"? Is there an obvious reason why that wouldn't be? They the didn't want a reaction? competitor
2: in the market, which was a cable company. Because what what else happened this week? Charter did what Comcast did, which was which was cut price. So the cable guys which have gained traction, those that have the Verizon MVNO, um, you know, are coming in with very low pricing. And that's eating away at the growth opportunity that T-Mobile has. At least Verizon's getting that wholesale revenue that these MVNOs are, are jacking on there. But that, that's, it's basically stopping a new competitor in the market that can bundle at a low price with their very low-churn broadband customers. It's anti-competitive.
0: Yeah. No, no. Clearly. I'm just surprised that T-Mobile doesn't react and go, "Okay, we'll do the same wholesale deal that Verizon did, so we don't have." But that's the
2: reason. Like when you say,
0: when you yeah, follow the logic, I get it. Yeah. This,
2: is, this gets back to the auction. And by the way, just to go back to my auction comments from before. Verizon may, in fact, be you know trying to tank. Like at some point, we just have to follow logic. Like, why would companies do? Why should companies do certain things? And but companies can obviously make their own choices and not do certain things. That's for sure. But the logic here is, is quite, to your point, Like, why wouldn't you just get that revenue? Why? Because you don't want Cox to be in the market competing for your customers.
0: Speaking of competing for customers, um, Apple, this is a Todd Spangler variety. And this tweet just blew me away. Uh, the story actually blew me away It says Apple says it expects to grow its Culver City headcount to more than 3,000 employees by 2026, Um, double where it is today. But more importantly, if you read down below, it says Apple plans to build a huge 550,000 square foot complex in Culver City. Uh, You know, look, I can't even fully appreciate 550,000 square feet, but for a company that is sort of in the press, mocked for having like a few shows, like, oh, they have Ted Lasso or they have the morning show, but like, there's nothing to watch. All I have to say is that is an incredible amount of office space uh, in Los Angeles studio space to build content. And every single talent agency I talk to just keeps telling, the, the, the story keeps going. Apple is so much more ambitious than people realize. And I just think that much space signals exactly where Apple is going, meaning there is going to be, I mean, Ted Lasso is like, it's scratching, like just the surface, right? Like there's so much more coming. And I think what Apple's probably seeing is that music, which is very hard to differentiate and sort of, you know, really market around, when you have iconic content like Ted Lasso, it's just a nice halo effect. I don't think people are buying iPhones because of Ted Lasso. I mean, maybe they are, but I doubt it. I just think it's an incredible brand halo to have amazing content when you walk in and you say, hey, are you watching Ted Lasso? And someone says, where are you watching? Oh, I'm watching it on Apple. like I just think that brand halo clearly matters, and they're clearly putting a tremendous amount of capital behind it if they're going to be taking that much office space. And so I think yeah. that's just what is interesting
2: the other thing I'd say, Rich, is um, to stroke your ego a little bit here is when you go back to when the morning show first came out, and at that time the the criticism of from P, of the criticism of Apple from many people was yeah. they have to go and buy a studio, they have to buy a library. And your point was, and I think you you create a lot of analogies to Netflix when they started, and that it takes, you know, it takes a long period of time. And then I would chime in with like, well, Apple's got a shit ton of money and they're patient and they're, and they're willing to do it. Like, So if there's, if there's this, it, like, it's a physical representation of yes. the patience that Apple has to remain and continue to grow in this market for, for a call that you made years ago. So like, you can't even argue like, like, yeah, maybe it could help to get a library, but whether they get by library, well, I don't even know what's left. If they buy library, it doesn't fucking matter. They're, they're clearly in it for the long haul.
0: They're making their own library day by day. And to your point, it's not like, oh, my God, it's not like people are going, oh, my God, I'm leaving the iPhone for Android because there's better content elsewhere. Like, you know, well, more importantly, is-
2: Rich, they don't have to the the challenge that they that Netflix had that they didn't have was to grow the subscriber base. Like Apple's got the built in billion active yeah. and Nef- iOS Netflix users. also
1: had to train people to stream.
2: Correct. <laughs> like that, exactly, that path has 100%. been blazed. 100% true. Right? Yep. So there's a lot well, of things in that are the early days. Netflix also them. had
0: to pay not to touch on a sore topic. Netflix also had to pay the Apple tax, which, you know, clearly isn't an issue for Apple, you know, all-in-one company. So, you know, there's a lot of advantages when you think out long term to building the service. So, so I when, don't know.
2: when is Apple when is Apple going to put a several hundred thousand or ten thousand, twenty thousand square foot building in a foreign country to do the same thing and, and build up foreign content the same way? Well,
0: that is a brilliant question. And my guess is it's within the next two years. Boom. There it is. Yes, we're talking about, I mean That would book be my mark. guess. Joe, bookmark. There you go. That. Okay, let's wait, talk. Wait uh, Do you want to name a city? Uh, now we're going to talk about a conference. I, I got n- a new acronym, Brandon. Is it RDC?
1: RDC. The Roblox Developer, Roblox conference. developer
0: conference. RDC. So here we go. We got F8. This is we got this F8. Is,
1: and we have the RDC now, um, and this is from TechCrunch today. Roblox pushes towards avatar realism, and plans to add NFT-like limited edition items. So the first, the first part of this, um, and a lot of the takeaways from today's Roblox developer conference are just that. Again, Roblox is transforming from that. Blocky experience that you're used to, that you could see if you're watching the podcast today in Rich's background, to ones that um, to fidelity that is much more um, photorealistic. And that's happening over time. Also, avatars are becoming much more lifelike with real emotions. They're really focusing on emotes and facial expressions all these things but the the interesting one to me was the nft um or the limited edition items which approximate nfts in that a they're limited and b subsequent sales generate a return for the creator Um, my question is though as they're trying to embrace some of the attributes of nfts and the blockchain is that as NFTs get broader acceptance and are tied more to identity off of Roblox, whether or not they're going to be forced to actually open the Roblox platform, because that's going to be what's expected from NFT owners um, off platform, that their NFTs are going to be able to travel um, across, you know, the, not just the internet, but also the metaverse. And that's something to watch. It's kind of an argument that um, I personally have had with Roblox executives. Um, I believe that if Roblox doesn't open up at some point, they're going to become AOL.
2: But I believe there's a lot of companies that we've talked to on the development side that want that, right? So it's just the power that they have. That's a great point, Brandon. Like they kind of have to if they want to continue being the place, right? But it's, It'll be fascinating. When you hear these the concept of the NFTs moving in and out, um, even maybe beyond, you know, one company's own game like Epic, <laughs> right? Then yeah. um it's it's seemingly powerful for everyone. You just hope that they all have the kind of long vision to realize it's been much more beneficial for them in the long term than it would well, be to go close garden like it's a And it's I think you're help.
0: both and, and I think it like there's zero chance. I mean, my gut is okay, zero okay. chance. I mean I will
2: will say this,
1: okay? Epic obviously believes in a much more open metaverse. Interestingly, if you look at some of what's happening on the Unreal Engine and some of the plugins that have been created, what do they do? They support NFTs. Uh, And, you know, that's across chain. uh, They're not, you know, it's not like innovations are happening just on Epic. I, 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 just, I think it's just very difficult you know to to keep a completely closed platform over time you saw it with the internet and if you think about like what the quote metaverse or the building blocks for the metaverse are it's almost kind of like a more advanced internet right
0: right I, the only thing I would say to that is Roblox did, I mean Roblox is a 12 year old startup and it is a web two company. It is not a web three company. So this is not, if you were starting Roblox today, maybe you know, you would think of it differently or it would be conceived differently. But I do think they've certainly grown up with the mentality of, you know, Roblox, well, Robux, they're, right? okay, My you're, sa- you're saying
1: they're they're a web two company, but these limited edition items have a lot of the attributes um, of of web three. Okay, so let's go to
0: the let's go to the next slide. And I'm going to relate this because the next slide is Spongebob. I called an audible Spongebob (laughs) digital collectibles coming Viacom CBS jumps on the NFT bandwagon. But and I think, you know, look, I, I don't know whether people want to buy Spongebob collectibles or NFTs. Um, I think sort of Star Trek NFTs is really interesting when you look at sort of all of sort of the cultness around NFTs. So I, I give Viacom credit for playing and experimenting and learning. But just because you mentioned it in Roblox, like I was thinking like, if there were SpongeBob NFTs specifically built for Roblox and they only live within Roblox, like you probably don't want to bring your SpongeBob because of the age and demo. You probably don't want to bring those into Fortnite, right? Like that's probably not something most people want to do. So could there be platform specific NFTs that are locked in that box that are specific for that world? It, it doesn't sound crazy to me. I mean, I, I hear the value of would they be worth more if they were across cross platform? Sure. But Roblox is a pretty massive world getting bigger by the day with tens of millions of kids playing maybe having the cool SpongeBob NFT limited edition in Roblox is a pretty cool thing. Maybe I'm wrong, but yep. that's what I'm thinking about. Re, re, <laughs> Sorry. Well, Were no one knows the answer. An, there's an immediate no. reaction to that. No, because, because I don't think we know the I mean, answer. Right? Like, and by no the one. way,
1: collectibles are you know just a part of it. Like NFTs also tie together. Communities have many other um, use cases like have the smart contract embedded in them, um, you know, that go outside, just, you know, a collectible, simple collectible. For Rich, what if I wanted IP. to take
2: SpongeBob into GTA?
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, and just like, there, and, are, and just mod- literally there are plenty it. of, G- so just- by the way, there are
1: GTA mods. If anyone who watched um, the Bolero um light live that we did today which by the way i was actually extremely impressed with the bolero story i don't know how you felt rich um um about it i was I'm using going bowling for, this afternoon I, for my <laughs> this evening <laughs> for my background i was using a um a
0: gta bowling mod <laughs> nice um let's move on. on to um uh we've got sort of sticking on this whole sort of um gaming into media brandon you want to read I, I guess why don't you read matthew olson's first
1: i'll start with matthew olson new from me plus jessica Tunkel. epics assembling talent for a possible scripted entertainment division think film and tv a Fortnite movie has been discussed This could be a smart way for Epic to grow in the near term while still moving toward the metaverse. Um, Okay. Not surprised um, by the news, first of all. Second of all, though, I think that the the takeaway here, a smart way for Epic to grow while still moving toward the metaverse um, is probably not what their ambitions are. I think they believe that there is going to be a relationship between sort of in metaverse content and in real life or 2D content and that they think they could be transported seamlessly between. They've already um, create or used in IRL content specifically a lot with Disney um, on in We've Fortnite. We've seen Marvel characters. To, 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 to bulk it up um and and um i i think they don't see the metaverse as being sort of where all time is going to be spent they realize that things are much more nuanced than that
0: but it's also building franchise value right it's also building franchise value i mean look at riot riot's got this arcane that is coming out so it's it's riot entertainment produced so it's league of legends produced and it's coming out as a Netflix series sometime. I think it's the first week in November or something like that, um, that you're going to see that hit. So there's already sort of a blueprint for sort of blowing up gaming content. French. I mean, look, we're talking about Squid Game, which is, you know, yep. I, mean, I mean, look, it, it just sort of like well, we, it, it, the, the two seem like they go together pretty naturally, to be honest.
1: Yep, we t- yeah, we talked about going from, again, the, uh, the TV and movie world into 3D interactive, and it's going to go both ways. And we've already seen it. By the way, a lot of popularity for video game movies for the first time, like that, but, the, over the last three years or so.
0: But let's let's skip forward. What was the, forget about what Sarah Fisher wrote from Axios? What's in the article that surprised you?
1: That surprised me about that article. I mean, it about- didn't surprise like that that epic Epic was trying to buy all of it. That didn't really surprise again. Why? That that doesn't really surprise me because I think that they believe it's a natural extension of what they're doing to create content and move content between the metaverse and, and film and TV. So I wasn't actually that surprised by that. I think it's like a little more surprising um, that Nike's involved, but I guess it's LeBron and, whatever <laughs> like that
0: i don't know it just it, it it would seem surprising to me to buy an athlete driven content company versus building your own i mean it's just like walt was saying before it's not i mean it, i don't think epic needs money right now i don't think epic i mean epic's got lots of yeah, patience but and look at, like, you know
1: what's interesting about why what does epic, epic need done? to buy a studio think think about what epic has has done and who they've partnered with they are the biggest brands and that has included sports. They yeah. partnered with FIFA for all of those um, jersey skins. They've, do, you know, right? They've done stuff with soccer. I think that it, in order to kind of, the, for the realization of the metaverse, they understand that they need to bring people from IRL into 3D Interactive, and that a bridge to that can be content and celebrity. And like, think about like how impactful what Travis Scott did was with his concert, again, building that bridge.
0: Um, Let's um, shift gears to Twitter, which I think is probably going to upset both of you, but I will read it and then you guys react. So Bruce Falk, who runs ad product at Twitter, tweets out. Um, and it's actually funny. His his Twitter handle is boo. And it's just funny that Halloween is coming up. But um, that's an aside. Or uh, that we're going to gonna boo after you read this. No, tweet. Oh, that's that's also Ooh. pretty bad, too. That was really mean. Uh, starting today, we're trying something different and testing a new ad format in tw- tweet conversations. If you're part of the test, which is global on iOS and Android, you'll see ads after the first, third or eighth reply. Or so it's, it's first, third or eighth. It's not all three. You will see, I guess, one ad within the reply. So, like in the conversation of a tweet, there will be an ad in between one part of the conversation. That's
2: so annoying! I think it's a good way to to build up um, a desire for subscribers.
1: <laughs> to, subscribers. Get rid, oh, to, get, to get, rid to, of, get of, rid to get rid of, of them? ads.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Make something really irritating that no one likes. Do you, do you know what
1: Reed Hastings calls that? What manage dissatisfaction.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, someone's not going to quit <laughs> Twitter because of that. They're not going to not engage in Twitter because of that. But they're going to get irrita- they're going to get irritated enough that if you charge me two bucks or three bucks or whatever it is, then I'll take it away. So maybe that's what they're doing. They're just going to they want to irritate you. Yeah, I don't Yahoo know Email. You know. You'll never get me to pay. Never. You can send me I, I get want. that. I- you send as many I, ads as you want. What do you think the odds are that Joe Galone pays for Yahoo? 100% know? he does. <laughs> he's, a, he's a Yahoo power user. Actually, no, he
0: N- doesn't. Do people that. actually pay for Yahoo now? Is that like, like a thing?
2: Can I pay to have the person who's trying to get my warranty, my car warranty renewed to stop calling me? I pay mm-hmm. that person.
0: Yeah, but it's not possible. Um, Let's go to our final tweet, which we have to do from uh, Mr. Adam Aaron, CEO Adam of AMC Theaters. So he tweets out, some of you have suggested that as CEO of AMC Theaters, I've been playing chess while detractors played checkers. On the weekend that James Bond's No Time to Die opens in the U.S., which was last weekend in the U.S., it feels more like AMC is playing three-dimensional chess. To the naysayers, I say it out loud. Hashtag choke on that. Um, the funny part is, is that the whisper heading into the weekend was that No Time to Die in the U.S. would be the biggest movie that had opened up in the pa- since the pandemic, would do 80 to 100 million with plenty of people saying pre-sales sort of were targeting 100 million. And the film in this tweet shows that it did 56 million over the weekend. And, uh, and nicely, it was actually revised down to 55 million, which is below prior James Bond numbers and certainly not. Um, yeah. a very inspiring box office total. So the only person choking probably was AMC, but it's just sort of, I've, I've never seen anything like this. Like And an, a CEO the of a way, public company I, taunting investors.
1: I, I think it's not just that he was taunting, like the fact that he
2: said, choke on that. That's a little. Bit you know what? The, here's the coming because I don't I know think what I maybe mean. he's maybe he's too much of a boomer to understand that that's a sexual reference. But I think that's a good segue when you think about uh, a James Bond film was memed by uh, that show where they have a, a rocket coming out of a of a. who was the, who? Michael Myers. Who was a? Uh, what was the movie that? Spaceballs?
0: That was, no, you know, Was it Spaceballs?
2: No, well, but they they were basically the Bezos rocket looks exactly like this rocket from a, I think it was a Mike Myers, Austin film. powers, Austin, Austin powers. powers and Austin powers to a certain extent is a knockoff or a, you know, kind of a homage to, to James Bond. So we go from choke on that about a James Bond film to the homage of, of Mike Myers and Austin powers to the rockets of Amazon taking being as full circle to the beginning here of taking William Shatner um, into space to see the the outer limits of space, do you see the Both connection see. there, Rich? I,
0: I, do, right. I, I do, I do. I just again, I don't. First of all, I don't think he understands that at all. I think he has no idea. Um, I just you know, I mean, mm-hmm. three dimensional chess. I don't even know what three dimensional chess is to be honest. Uh, again you don't a know saying. what
1: three-dimensional chess is it's, it's a, it's a...
0: I, I don't think i've ever played three-dimensional chess
1: <laughs> and you're not a very good analyst <laughs> uh,
0: maybe uh, maybe that's the problem but it's been a long week and it's only thursday so um uh, but maybe maybe someday we still
1: have a whole other day tomorrow We'd, it's well, not like tomorrow's the weekend.
0: I really look forward to seeing how James Bond does. What are you doing? Though? What are you?
1: Don't you have like some big event, like life event, happening tomorrow, Rich?
0: Well, no. I mean, hopefully, my daughter passes her driving test.
1: That's a that's so, a big oh deal. I mean, she's already failed
0: one, so hopefully, the second time. But I mean, like, city kids are not great at driving. Like, that's the problem. Like, it's not an easy thing. So we'll see. We'll see. Who knows? I'm gonna just pray. Pray for. Pray for. Her. Pray for Light Shed or pray for Greenfield. (laughs) Um, Well, that's episode seventy-six. We made it through another episode. I still don't know why Walt's background is five ge this week again. It's been a long time since I've seen that in the background. We didn't talk about it, but I am curious as we fade out why it's five ge again. It's been a
2: rough week for uh, uh, Ma Bell. Ma Bell. AT&T, the model, Yeah, at t has taken a real dinger. They're still outperforming T-Mobile for the year, though. Fact. Uh, but yeah, it's been a rough week for AT&T. So I just was reminding people, 5G E, we've got them to overtake the sub lead. Have a great weekend.
1: Everything. Marketing and branding. Marketing, and love branding. branding. Have See a later, great guys. week, and.